0: Join the Wall Street Journal's Tech Live Cybersecurity on June 6, 2024, in New York City to be at the forefront of shaping the future of cybersecurity and creating a more secure digital landscape. Use the discount code podcast to receive $200 off your registration fee. Visit wsj.com/techcyberpodcast to learn more.
1: Miko Branch, and I'm a best-selling author and co-founder and CEO of Miss Jessie's, the natural hair care brand that I created with my sister, Titi Branch. You know, it's not just the Titi and Miko's of the world who know how to do hair or know how to make curly pudding at our kitchen table. Many of us have talents, and just to be able to focus on what you're good at and what you love, I think that that's the key and that's the power, and we'll see many more Titi and Miko's
0: This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal. Helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger.
2: Miko Branch is the CEO of Miss Jessie's her popular hair care line. She discusses how she created a successful business from the ground up and became a pioneer in the natural hair care industry. Your dad said he didn't want you and your sister Titi to rely on your good looks. What did he mean by that?
1: (laughs) You know, my dad uh, was someone of a ladies' man, and he knew the pitfalls out here for women. And ironically, he was blessed with, like, these two girls, and he wanted us to give us, you know, give us all of the uh, the background and all the info and just kind of how to survive out here. So he raised us as boys, Veronica, and um, he really wanted us to understand um, all the good stuff that came with working hard versus being uh, uh, good-looking or beautiful.
2: What do you mean he raised you as boys?
1: Oh my God, he put us to work. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. He did everything from sell real estate. He was also a teacher. He also drove a cab. So some some of those homes that he sold, you know, he would put my sister, Titi and I to work, and we would have to like clean those homes. Uh, we would have to spackle. We would have to wash. Just all the things, you know, that none of our friends were doing while they were seven and eight years old. That we were doing. And I think the training of hard work really kind of set the the pace for us. You know. as young entrepreneurs in our 20s.
2: Your dad also didn't want you to accept the free lunch at school. (laughs) And so I'm wondering, how did that affect your view of money? Um, It had a huge effect
1: on my my, um, ideas about money. But I think where my dad was coming from in terms of his position on free lunch was he didn't want us to uh, accept accept or expect something for nothing. You know, it goes back to his work ethic. He wanted to instill that in us. And he also, you know, he came out of the civil rights era. So he was really, really in touch and keen on, you know, like government programs. He didn't want us to really become dependent on those kinds of things. Um, So he thought that, you know, not accepting handouts or freebies was probably like the best training for these two independent little girls that he was raising.
2: So your mom is Japanese-American and you grew up in a mostly African-American neighborhood. What was that like?
1: Growing up in New York in the 70s with like a short Japanese woman with long straight hair, on a block where it was primarily African-American, maybe a little bit of West Indian uh, uh, families. And then we had a little bit of Latino families. It was interesting in that the images that I saw on my block and around me were so different than what I saw in my home, you know? And I often wanted to emulate my mother because she's this beautiful woman. Um, but in terms of hair texture, my hair texture was really different and and hers was too. Um, so, you know, like how I saw myself was was a little, you know, it it took me getting to know myself because what I saw in my home was different than what I saw everywhere else and what I also saw in myself.
2: So you knew early on that you wanted to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) How can a woman figure out if this is her calling?
1: You know, I also paid attention to what I did not want to do as a younger Miko. You know, I was looking for, hey, you know, what did I want to do? And ironically, I wanted to be a fashion designer. I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology, and uh, they put me in a whole bunch of courses on the technical side. And while I was in school, while I was learning all the things that I should be doing, I was paying attention to all the things that I didn't like. Mm. So that really took me quickly to areas that I was good at, which was hair, and then also you know, it it let me know what I need to focus on now that I know what I don't want to do.
2: After college, you opened a beauty salon. What was the biggest business lesson you learned from having that salon? I think
1: growing too fast was probably the biggest lesson in that Titi and I, we opened our beauty salon together. We grew too fast. We had a two-chair salon in the Boreham Hill section of Brooklyn, and we thought we were more successful than what we really were. And we moved to another salon, which was like three times as big and three times as much rent, didn't have the clientele, ended up losing that business. Luckily, we purchased a brownstone uh, in the bedford stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. We refuged there. We licked our wounds, but we were thinking outside of the box and luckily it was bath time with my son where I could no longer wear my hair styled straight because he splashed all around. (laughs) And I realized that I had to embrace my curls and that was the kind of aha moment for us before we started to become experts. But had we not had that failure and had we not grown too fast, um, I would have never become, my sister and I would have never created Miss Jessie's.
2: How did you figure out what the market needed and wanted? Well, you know, we kind of stumbled upon
1: it, you know, in terms of curls, kinks, and waves. It was actually like my lifestyle and my life change. I could no longer wear my hair styled straight like yours, Veronica. My son, once water hits my hair, it puffs up, it does anything it wants to do. And luckily, you know, it it caught the attention of my clients. And I understood that, you know what, this is the opportunity. I need to jump on it. Doing hair was never, you know, that difficult for me. So quickly I became an expert and, and so on and so on.
2: Coming up, Miko Branch discusses the challenges and rewards that come from working with family and how mindfulness helps her stay focused.
0: Join the Wall Street Journal in New York City on June 6, 2024, for the inaugural Tech Live Cybersecurity to network and hear from leading cybersecurity experts across a variety of sectors on how to combat cybersecurity threats mitigate crippling attacks, and safeguard privacy on the individual and organizational level. Use the discount code PODCAST to receive $200 off your registration fee. Visit wsj.com slash techcyberpodcast to learn more. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal.
2: So at one point, your sister sued you and kicked you out of the business. (laughs) What advice would you give family members who go into business together?
1: So, you know, family, the people say that family and business, you know, they they have no business being in business. (laughs) together. Um, But I can definitely say, you know, for Titi and I, I I think that we were very successful as sisters and also as business partners. But, you know, it is quite challenging to get into a big fight with your sister over something that has nothing to do with business. And then for Titi and I, we were roommates and we shared a car. So we would have to, like, jump in the same car together, live live in the same house. House and co-parent together. So we didn't really have, you know, a breathing room, breathing time away to just kind of regroup. So what, what happened with us, we exploded. Luckily, we were able to come back together. But you know, in terms of family and business, it's really, really important that you outline who does what, and also have like, you know, a plan for what happens when we get into a big fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's like, much like married couples, like, hey, what do we do when we get into a fight before it happens? Like, maybe we'll take a walk and, maybe we'll come, you know, and then come back together. So being able to talk about it before it happens, I think that that could be helpful.
2: So your sister, Titi, who was your business partner, who was a co-parent for you and yeah. your son, yeah. died a few years ago, I'm really yeah. sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, had said her death changed the way you live. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that?
1: You know, when I, you know, think of my sister and when I'm living my life, you know, since my sister's passing, I always consider what would Titi do? I think, you know, Titi was probably the kindest person that I've ever known in my life. But she was also like she was my big sister. Titi was she was also the boss, you know, and that dynamic really kind of lent itself to our our partnership, even in business, you know, so Titi's fingerprint is everywhere. It's not only in our product, but it's also in my life. So I honestly say, you know, like Titi raised me because we were latchkey kids and we spend most of our time together.
2: What advice would you give to family members who are trying to help another family member with mental illness? Because we know Titi battled with
1: that? Yeah. TT definitely battled with mental illness and depression. And for our family, we we didn't know much, you know. And I think for most of us who don't have a medical background, I think being open um, and just really leading with love, I think, is the best way to manage that space that many of us know little about. Um, Just patience is really important because there's so many phases. There's so many hills and valleys, you know, when it comes to mental illness and depression. And I think just having the patience and then also just leading with love is going to really help to smooth out all the areas that we don't know while we're finding out information.
2: So you were a single mom when you started your business. What's your advice to women who are single moms trying to be entrepreneurs? The word multitasking
1: comes to mind. For me, I was able to succeed as a single mom and also a businesswoman because everything I did was housed in one building. Uh, Veronica, I was able to run upstairs and give my son a bath, give him a hug, give him a kiss, and then I was able to run downstairs on the second floor and do some hair and make some money. So for me as a single parent, you know, my son totally reliant upon upon me and then also my sister too, I was able to multitask and do many things in one place.
2: So what did you learn from working with major retailers? Titi and I were expert at uh, making
1: curly pudding. We were expert at being hairstylists. But when we had this wonderful opportunity to be on the shelves of Target, we knew nothing about retailers and that part of the business. You know, so like when we first got into Target, and when I say Target, Target's a metaphor, large retailers. You know, we signed every contract with no attorney present. Wow. You know, we were just so So excited excited to just be two girls from Brooklyn were now on the shelves, you know, in Target, showcasing our product. I think we were more preoccupied with that. And, you know, there were some key lessons. There were some hard lessons we had to learn. But over time, the good news is that there were many people who loved Curly Pudding, many people who loved Miss Jessie's. And we were able to uh, weather some of the storms. But, you know, there were some tough lessons, particularly in the early days.
2: What was the toughest lesson?
1: Being able to uh, stay in charge of your own business when you partner up with a large retailer that has maybe 7,000 stores and understanding where you need to say yes and understanding where you need to kind of hold your ground and you know keep your values and your principles um, where you left them when you formed your business.
2: Do you think it's difficult for minority women to start
1: businesses? Well, I don't necessarily think it's difficult to be an African-American woman or a minority woman in business because there's so much talent that, you know, we have as a people. You know, it's not just the titi amikos of the world who know how to do hair or know how to make curly pudding at our kitchen table. Many of us have talents. And just to be able to focus on what you're good at and what you love, I think that that's the key and that's the power. And we'll see many more titi amikos, you know, whether they're Japanese, whether they're African-American, whether they're Latina, Latino, um, there's just so much richness there. Pay attention and bring it to market.
2: How do you overcome the doubters, though, who don't want to give you funding for your business, who don't understand the business because they don't use the products? Right.
1: So I'm really, you know, of, of the notion, like my dad said, is to be self-sufficient, you know, spend less time seeking for someone to support you or someone to bankroll or finance you and spend more energy and more time cultivating and developing your thing. Right now, you know, we're turning down, you know, like whether it's, you know, this large, uh, you know, banking institution or this large, they want my business. And that's because I focus on building my business. So the money will come and the partnerships will actually come too. But the focus is really key. And I think you should focus on yourself.
2: What would prompt you to sell the business?
1: Um... The right price, you know. There's so much value in Miss Jessie's, and uh, whether it's the brand itself, or the products that work, or um, the relationship that it has with its customers, you know. I couldn't sell Miss Jessie's for a cheap price, you know. So I think I think at this point it would probably be their price. Um, but then, you know, I would have to think about everything else. I don't know what it feels like to part with Miss Jesse. So they say, you know, when you build a business from scratch, parting with it can be quite emotional. I haven't experienced that yet, but I can let you know how that feels if that ever happens.
2: Do you have offers on the table?
1: Oh, my God. We get offers all the time. And we get, you know, offers for partnership. We get offers for an infusion of cash. We get, like, outright offers. We get strategic offers. You know, but the offer does have to be right. This is a very valuable company.
2: What would you do with your time? Well,
1: you know, my son just went off to college. So I think something really nice like, like doing yoga all day or taking a long walk and not having to come into the office, I think that that could be
2: quite nice. What sacrifices have you had to make over the years as an entrepreneur?
1: Well, although I have a boyfriend now, much of my life was committed to the business and committed to being a mom. You know, I ironically had, you know, I found the time to have a baby, but I never never really had the time to really cultivate a relationship. So like I'm a little bit of older Miko, and I'm just now experiencing the joys of having a boyfriend. Um, luckily, I was able to reunite with my first boyfriend Aww. and first kiss. And, um, you know, we, we had the chance to be friends. So just us being able to reconnect and just cook together or walk together or talk together, um, it brings me a lot of joy. Sweet.
2: <laughs> um, so I heard you pay close attention to your first thoughts in the morning. What do you mean?
1: So, you know, I actually got that from my mom. And my mom is a Buddhist monk, and she really pays close attention to the um, Um, mindfulness and and what you're feeling and how you're feeling. And she's right. You know, what I feel or what I'm thinking in the morning is probably my clearest thoughts. And um, I try to keep that space really, really focused. And then I can probably figure some things out that I was confused uh, with the day before. I have real clarity of thought in the morning, so I really try to pay attention to that time of the day.
2: Was your mom a monk when you were growing up? She
1: wasn't a monk, but my mom was really, really Committed to Buddhism, um, so much that I was upset and mad with my mom. My mom was really focused on doing that. She would go off to these meditation uh, sessions, and oftentimes I wanted time with my mom as a younger Miko, and I didn't have enough time with her. So, um, as I, you know, as a younger Miko, I was very resentful with my mom. But as an older Miko, I see the importance of, you know, really taking the time out for yourself, even if you are a mom, even if you are a businesswoman, you. really, do need to carve out that time
2: what's the best investment you ever made
1: i think investing in miko you know before i partnered with my sister um, i invested in myself and became this hairstylist in my house And I think there I was able to gain confidence and it was there that I was able to really hone in on my craft. And then from there, I was able to partner with my sister and take some of the wisdom, not only as, you know, a a young Miko in training, but a businesswoman and bring like some of that wisdom to motherhood. So I think that was the time, like just having the confidence to do things on my own, by myself before any partnerships. I think that that investment in myself was key.
2: And if you could pick your favorite Financial investment, what would that be? The brownstone. Yes. (laughs) That brownstone, we
1: purchased our brownstone in 1999. And in the book, I share that we paid two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. They were asking, I think, two forty-five. We negotiated. We tr- we tried our hand at our negotiating skills. We got it down to two fifteen. And that brownstone was such a great investment. It was our fortress. It was where we raised my son. It was where we built our business. It was where we uh, just developed as young women there was so much there we worked every single floor until this day we still enjoy the brownstone
2: and now some of those brownstones in brooklyn go for what three four four million. <laughs> three and change not bad. <laughs> not bad that's not a bad return no. so miko what's the biggest lesson you learned from your book
1: well, in writing the book, I was fortunate enough to be able to write it with my late great sister, T D. and we just really laid out like our journey and, you know, as ho- how we built our business. We decided that we were going to be really candid and really speak to the parts, the the unhappy parts, the tough parts, to really share what it's like to become and to be an entrepreneur. I like that part most about business. I know many of us like the success and we like money, but to really understand all the trials and tribulations, I think, is the most most important part of the book.
2: And how has your life changed since you've become financially successful? Well,
1: you know, it hasn't changed much in terms of like, you know, my approach to purchasing, my approach to spending and saving, but it certainly have afforded me opportunities where if I need to make, you know, a million curly puddings, I can do that. If Walmart calls and if they want to expand in another country, I have the capital to be able to do that. So I like, you know, being able to meet opportunities when they present itself. I love that part about it.
2: And you learned all this without business school.
1: No business school um don't know how we did it but I really think that the failures were key in you know the wisdom and like the next steps of our business we really you know learned and kept those you know those sore spots close to us so by the time like a target called many years later we still had that lesson of growing too quickly so you know if target has 1700 stores we decided that going into 200 was the best way to kind of see how we were doing before we you know made a whole bunch of curly pudding to go into 1700 stores. And I think the slow but sure way was the best way for Miss Jessie.
0: Time now
1: for your secrets. I am Miko Branch. My money secret is I am still very particular about spending and I'm still mindful of money.
2: Be sure to check out more episodes of Secrets of Wealthy Women on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos, I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening.